And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the quintessential Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a detective adventure of Boston Blackie, starring Dick Kalmar from 1947, but first, it's Name That Tune. Lisa Wolf Cullen will play short clips from popular Bing Crosby songs, and a Hollywood 360 listener contestant named Allison and I will try to name that tune, right, Lisa? That's right, Coral. We have Allison on the phone from Portland, Maine. Hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi. How, How you doing? doing? Oh, not too bad. Okay. Good. Well, we're glad you're on the phone with us. Uh, are you a fan of Bing Crosby and his music? Oh, yeah. Ve- yeah, very much. Yeah. Oh, terrific. Awesome. So uh, right. these are some older songs, so hopefully we're going to go way back into our memory banks. All right, how does this work here, Lisa? So uh, <laughs> I'm going to play a short clip of a Bing Crosby song. As soon as you know the title of the song, shout it out. We'll go from there. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. Here's yeah. your first tune. Carry moonbeams home in a jar. And be better off. That's it. Swinging. That's right. Swinging on the star. All right. Allison's got it. So this was uh, introduced by Bing Crosby in the 1944 film Going My Way. Wow. Which we had talked about earlier. Won an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Nice. It's been recorded by other artists since then, but this is the original Bing Crosby. Yep. Allison's on the board. She's got one. You know the song, Carol? Yes. Good. All right. right. Here's your next song. If you want the thing you love, and he's from heaven. That's right. (laughs) Oh my God! How do you know this, Allison? Um, I I think I lived in the I'm living in the wrong era. I love the 30s and 40s. I just I I think so. You sound so young. (laughs) No, I'm not really. Okay. (laughs) You are right. Pennies from heaven, 1936. Um, yeah, this was introduced by Bing Crosby um, and his orchestra in the 1936 film Pennies from Heaven. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. I am, I'm too. very, very impressed. Oh, I'm Allison. so glad you called in, Allison. We needed you. Wow. <laughs> All, right. Um, All right. I'm losing. Okay, if you ask me about a bunch of rock songs from the 80s or 90s, I won't do very well. <laughs> uh, next week, we won't we won't call you next week. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's our next uh, Bing Crosby tune. When you were only starting to go to kindergarten, oh. I bet you drove the little boys wild. 
And when it came to winning blue ribbon, um, you must have been a beautiful baby. There it is. What? You must have been a beautiful baby. I can see Listen. the eyes as they handed you the prize. I'm getting cream. I bet you made the cutest smile. <laughs> oh, you must have been a beautiful, a beautiful baby. baby. Cause baby, look, look at, at you, you now. So written in 1938 for the Warner Brothers movie Hard to Get, sung by Dick Powell. Did you know that? No. Yes. So this is a huge hit. And of course, uh, Bing Crosby uh, recorded this version. And that's with Bob Crosby and his orchestra. Allison is amazing. Wow, at this. I am Jeez. impressed. Holy moly, well, we won't moly, call you Batman. for Springsteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. She's up three zip. Here we go. Here's your next Bing Crosby song. With Wait, Christmas. There you go. Oh, you got one. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. I got one. That is right. Written by Irving Berlin for the 1942 film Holiday Inn. I got one. Won the Academy Award for Best Original Song. I got one. You won't get That'll be the only one. <laughs> Your Christmases be quiet. Huh? You're a great you singer, Carl. I think of that. Yeah. I'm trying to get a record deal out of this uh, radio show. It has working out for you so far. I know. All right, there's one not, more not song. Not even one record label has right? ever Can called you me. Can you believe 16, that? Allison, 16 <laughs> years I've been singing on this show <laughs> trying to get a record deal. Not one record company has called me. Why not do you one. think hard that is, believe. It's hard to believe. It's hard, right? it is hard to believe. <laughs> Yeah. It is hard to believe. It's really hard to understand, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, here's okay. our final Bing Crosby song. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Let me hear you whisper that you love me too. Uh-oh. I have no idea. Yes, you do. Keep the love light glowing in your eyes. So blue. So blue. Um, sweetheart, let me call you. There it is. She just got it. Let me call you, sweetheart. Oh man, there it is. Alice. <laughs> so, Bing Crosby recorded this in 1934, and then again in 1944. Man, this is a hugely famous song. Wow. You didn't, yeah, um, you didn't do Moonlight Becomes You. I was expecting that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I knew you were going to call in, I would have done it for you, Allison. Oh, wow. well, that's, that's more. That's a really famous one. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Allison got all of them except for one. That's true. And uh, the only one she didn't get, but she would have gotten it. Yeah, about a moment She would have gotten later. White Christmas. I think I you just, just knew it was coming eventually. I was like, when's White Christmas going to Wow, Allison, you're fantastic. Yeah, Allison, Thank wow. You. I'm gonna I'm going to send you a um, uh, some CDs of some classic radio shows. Sound fun? Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love the show. Love the show. Thanks, Thank Allison. You. Thank you for calling Great in. player. Wow. Blown away. When we come back, it's Boston Blackie, my favorite detective radio show. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Don't forget, get our full five-hour Hollywood 360 show and our Radio Rarities podcast sent to you every Monday by being a Hollywood 360 podcast subscriber. All you have to do is go to our website, hollywood360radio.com. At the very top of the website is all of the information. You can also sign up by calling... And talking to a live operator, that number is 815-900-7535. Now, when you call that number, if uh, a live operator does not answer, leave your name and telephone number. Someone will call you back and uh, answer any questions you might have about the Classic Radio Club or signing up to the podcast. Um, Anything you want to ask, that operator will know the answer, 815-900-7535. Seven five three five. All right, time now, Lisa, for Boston Blackie. I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite shows. I just like Dick Kalmar as Boston Blackie. He was kind of a smart aleck detective. And um, he didn't start out as a detective, though. He was actually a master thief. He was a jewel thief. And then he went to jail and in jail was rehabilitated came out of jail and said, you know what, I don't want to go back to jail. I'm going to be a good guy. So he became sort of an amateur detective. But uh, he was New York-based. This is all, of course, fictional. It was a a character created by Jack Boyle, a writer. But the character of Boston Blackie didn't want to go back to jail, so he um, decided, I'll be a good guy. But whenever there was a crime, the police thought, it has to be that Boston Blackie guy, you know, because he was a bad guy for so long. But, in fact, he was not a bad guy anymore, and he would help solve the case. He was enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Dick Calmer played him great in the radio series. Chester Morris played him in all the movies, the Columbia Pictures. I think there was about, I think, 14 Boston Blackie movies for Columbia and they were all very successful. They were B-movies, but they were very successful. And they actually helped cross-promote the radio. The radio promoted the TV, you know, the uh, movies and vice versa. And then there was a TV series starring Kent Taylor that came to, radio, uh, came to television in 1951. 58 episodes, black and white episodes, were filmed. That ran until 1953. So it was on radio, TV, movies. We have a radio broadcast for you now from August 13th, 1947. Dick Kalmar starring. Here's part one of Boston Blackie. What are we digging, Joe? A sub-basement? Uh, you know what we're digging, Sue. Sure, but how far down are we going? To China? Don't be silly. It's just about deep enough. A few more spadefuls, and I guess it'll fit. 
Well, I hope it's just a few more. I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, don't be crazy. I've done most of the work. And I know why, too. <sighs> Look, Joe, isn't this deep enough? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <sighs> well, it's deep enough. But is it wide enough and long enough? It's wide enough. Well, I think it's okay. Let's lift it in. You get that end. All right. Now lift. Hey, it's heavy, isn't it? Don't be lazy. Come on, come on, lift. I'm doing my best. Okay. Now lower it. I think it'll fit. I think it will, too. Oh, he's right. Yeah, it fits, Sue. Just fits. Now what do we do? Cover it up and forget about it? Now don't be silly. Just covering it up with dirt won't hide it for long. I'm going to pave the entire basement floor tomorrow. Then she'll not only be a couple of feet underground, <laughs> but under half a foot of concrete, too. You're going to do a good job of hiding Sally's body, I'd say. You bet we are. Maybe my wife did show up at the wrong time. But what's left of her will never show up. And now on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. Hello, Joe. Oh, what's the matter? Aren't you glad to see me? World. Well, Billy, don't be ridiculous. Of course I am. Uh, come on in there. I am in, Joe. Where's Sally? Your sister? Yeah. Well, she isn't here, Billy. She'd been out of town, you know that. But you and I quit stalling. She came back last night. I know that. And I also know what happened. Now, look, Billy, I... Skip it. I'm not sore because you killed her. She meant nothing to me. Money does. And you're going to get me a chunk of it or I start talking. Now, Billy, you got to listen to Do me. Do I? What'll you bet? Seems to me that you better listen to me. You killed Sally. But I got it fixed so the cops are going to pick up your friend Sue Adams for it. And for keeping my mouth shut about you, I want a lot of dough. But you know I'm nice. I'm going to tell you how you can get it for me. All right, Mary. Have a nice trip and I'll be a good boy while you're going. Uh-oh. There's the doorbell. Well, I'll try to be a good boy. Goodbye. Bye. Coming, coming. Yes? Is... Is this Boston Blackie's apartment? If it isn't, I'm in the wrong place. Oh, you're Blackie? Uh-huh. And apparently you're in trouble. Come in. Thanks. I'm Sue Adams and I am in trouble. But how did you know? Oh, I'm a genius at telling what people are thinking. And also, you're twisting that handkerchief so hard, it's going to be shredded in a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, don't apologize to me. Say you're sorry to the handkerchief. <laughs> but uh, what kind of trouble are you in? Blackie, I'm afraid I'm going to be killed. Well, apparently you're letting it scare you to death. Don't do it. That'll save someone a lot of trouble. Please, Blackie, I'm serious. I'm sorry. But so many people imagine that this they This isn't have... imagination. You see... I helped him do it. Helped him do what? Bury his wife. Huh? Uh, what him buried his wife? Joe. Joe Lang. 
He buried his wife, Sally, in the basement of his home last night. This morning, he paved the floor of the basement with concrete. And you helped him? I helped him to bury her. Who helped him kill her? Joe said he found her in the basement, already dead. But I know he's lying. What makes you think so? Because he said he'd go to the chair if his wife's body were found. He said he'd see that I had to be buried, too, if I ever told what I knew. So you've come right to me to tell me all about it, huh? That's asking for it, isn't it? No. I think Joe intends to kill me anyway. He invited me to his place in the mountains, and he's never done that before. I know he wants to take me out there to kill me. Well, you're in a spot, young lady. And in this case, the best spot for you is police headquarters. I'll phone it. Come in. Hello, Blanky. Well, think of the inspector and Uppy Pops. Hello, Faraday. Hi. Well, uh, what do you want me for this time? Murder, arson, or help? I don't ever want you for anything, Blanky. But is this girl Sue Adams? Yes, I, I'm Sue Adams. I got a phone call saying I might find you up here. A phone call from whom? A fellow named Wilson. Forget it, pal. Faraday, this girl wants you uh, for protection. Oh, she does, does she, Blanky? Well, maybe I want her for murder. What do you mean, maybe? I mean, I got a phone call from Billy Wilson, the dead woman's brother. He said this girl killed his sister, Sally oh, Lang. Oh, no. One of my men followed her here, and here I am. Just because you got a phone call, you think you've got a murderer. Faraday, what are you using for a head? All right, so the phone call doesn't mean she killed Mrs. Lang. But it means she knows something about it. Sure she does, and she's told me everything she knows. She helped Joe Lang bury the body. Oh. Uh-huh. And it's Joe Lang who murdered his wife. Oh. Uh-huh. But... Before you have a murder case, you've got to find a body, you know. And that's why you need me, because I know where it is. Put lots of paper in that corner of the room, Billy. We want to fix it so this joint of mine goes up like a hot torch. I know that, Joe. I'll make sure nobody will ever know we set your place on fire. These papers will burn with the rest of the joint. So will all the excelsior. Right. So much excelsior around, it looks suspicious, Joe. It'll burn. If it doesn't, so what? Your sister got three barrels of new dishes delivered last week. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You bought Sally new dishes? She never told me. Uh, she won't tell anyone anything now. Uh, I think we have enough papers around. I should think so. The basement's jammed with papers. We spread them around every room. Joe. Yeah. Joe, I just heard a door slam. So did I. There's a front door, too. Quiet, I'll see who it is. Okay. Well? Billy, we gotta work fast. It's Boston Blackie. I've seen that guy's picture in the paper so often I'd know him anywhere. Boston Blackie? Oh, somebody must have found out that we... Never mind about him. We want the insurance from this joint of mine. We'll have to set fire to it, but quick. What about Blackie? He's prowling around. I saw him head toward the back of the house. Come on, light this stuff. Okay, but what about Blackie? With the gab. When he gets in one of the back rooms, I'll lock him in. We'll scram and he'll go up and smoke. Joe, that's murder. It's going to be suicide if we don't get out of here ourselves. Look at those flames go. Come on. Where's Blackie? It's where I thought he'd be. In that room over there. And if I'm fast, we can lock him in and... Got it. Hey, you guys. Joe, fire start to spread out. Yeah. In a minute, it's gonna cook Blackie's goose. Unless you and I get out. Yeah, so you know what, Lisa? Um, this is a uh, Boston Blackie episode produced by Frederick W. Ziv. 
And uh, he Ziv was like one of the most prolific uh, producers of radio programming. He produced this series, The Cisco Kid, I Was a Communist for the FBI, Bold Venture, um, so, Favorite Story, so many. And I just licensed the entire Ziv library. I'm really excited mm, about it. Nice. Every episode that Ziv ever produced and we are getting all of the actually Ziv's master transcriptions. Now Mike's going to have a lot of work to well, do. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, <laughs> um, no, actually, uh, we're going to be um, working with um, a very good friend of mine, uh, Doug Hopkinson, who lives in the California. In California, it's going to be doing all the transfers, and we've already started on Bold Venture. We're going to do all the Bold Ventures. Then we're going to do all the Boston Blackies. Mm-hmm. We're going to do all the I was a communist for the FBI, and we're going to um, have some special announcements about it, how our listeners could get these. Um, this is a monumental license because these Ziv Masters have never been played. They were actually hit when they first made the Masters. They went into his office, and then there were, you know, the uh, copies made and sent all around to radio stations. We're actually getting the actual Ziv masters for this. So um, the quality of all of these are going to be beyond, you know, but even beyond what you're listening to here, this is a great quality Boston Blackie. But when we do all the uh, transfers, um, it's going to be something else. We'll keep, we'll keep everyone posted about it, but yeah, very excited about licensing the entire Ziv library of radio programming. Um, And what a library. I mean, it's thousands and thousands of episodes. We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on it, but more of Boston Blackie after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. This is Hollywood 360 broadcasting across nearly 200 radio stations coast to coast. The incomparable Lisa Wolf is my co-host. Mike Gastella, our executive producer. And um, we have my crabby brother, Vince. He's part of the team. And uh, he's as he's getting older, he's getting crabbier, crabbier That's and crabbier. What old yeah, I guess. Get cranky. Right? Well, he's not old. But, older. It's you know. older. How old is he? He's 12 years older than me. So he's in his so 70s. He, right. He's in his early 70s. Right. I one time when I was in New York City, I was uh, walked past one of those um, 
licensed um, apparel shops for Sesame Street. Right. And oh, I, did you get him an Oscar? I bought him a green Oscar yeah. the Grouch. That's great. Sweatshirt, but it was like you know, it's an actual licensed one. Yeah. It's like not not a knockoff, and he loves it. Does I mean, he wear it? He wears. <laughs> That's he lo- fantastic. He loves it. And so I call him my crabby brother, Vince, you know, Um, but he's great. Yeah. He's great. You know. (laughs) You're crabby a lot, but you're great. And you know what? what, You know when he's not crabby? When the Cubs are winning. Oh. If the Cubs are winning, he's in a good mood. If the Cubs are losing. So his mood is dependent upon our sports team? On the Chicago Cubs, yeah. uh, That's not a good bet. (laughs) You know, if I'll, like, because I tape the Cubs games because they're on at different times. And so that, but he watches them live. Like he's there with the popcorn, you know, when they're yeah. live. And then, like uh, home or at this? No, no, at home. Okay, at home. Yeah, watching the Cubs. He never misses a Cubs game. He doesn't miss an inning of baseball. Gotcha. Cubs baseball. <laughs> and um, and so then, like, uh, <laughs> I, I tell him, don't tell me if the Cubs won or because not because I haven't watched. I haven't it yet. watched it. But then I'll call him while I'm watching. He'll be it. like screaming at the television. Yeah, no, and I'll say, uh, "Do you believe this guy did, did this or did that?" And then I get him going, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, do you believe that?" that? <laughs> oh, he's so so into the cult. That's funny. Yeah, my crabby brother. I love him. All right, we're listening to Boston Blackie, um, fictional amateur detective character created by Jack Boyle. Now, Jack Boyle. This is interesting, Lisa. Jack Boyle was actually in jail, you know, the writer. He was in jail for forging some checks, um, and he was bored. He was in jail, and he was bored. He decided, you know, I'll create a, I'll, I'll write. I'm in, you know, in jail here for a few years, and he created this character, like, in the, I think it was, like, in the early 1900s, because there were silent films of Boston Blackie, so he, Created these stories, you know, created the character in like 1902 or three or something like that. And then they were published and became kind of popular. And the character was interesting, you know, how he was a thief and he went to jail and he came out of jail and it was sort of reformed. And then there were these silent films. And then in 1941, Chester Morris played him in the first talkie. Um, And then. Really, it became a very popular character. You don't hear about it anymore, but we're playing a sure. Boston Blackie episode. Um, Dick Kalmar, who was married to Dorothy Kilgallen, she was a big, big newspaper columnist. Uh, she was like the Barbara Walters of her day. They were married, and she was doing her newspaper stuff, and he was Boston Blackie on the radio. Let's go back to August 13th, 1947 for the conclusion now to Boston Blackie. Okay, okay, man, let's pack up and shovel. There's not much left of the house, Inspector Faraday. I don't care about the house, Chief, but Boston Blackie was in there. There's no one left in there now, Inspector, no one alive. That house went up like a, like, well, it went up awful quick. What was Blackie doing in there? We came down to see a guy named Joe Lang about a body Blackie said he could find. We were both going in, but Blackie said he wanted Lang alone a few minutes. Uh, well, if no one come out of the house after the fire started, no one's coming out now. You sure Blackie stayed in there? Blackie didn't have time to get out. He hadn't been inside more than a minute when I saw a flame shoot out of all the windows. So I beat it down to the corner and turned in the alarm. Blackie might have come out while you were turning in the alarm. If he did, he would have been here when I got back. No, I 
I guess he got caught in there. Well, it's tough, Inspector. Yep. Well, we'll be able to check through the rooms pretty soon now, Inspector. Okay. I want to make sure about Blackie. Sure or what, Faraday? That I'm dead or alive? Blackie, you're alive? A little smoky, Inspector, but alive. Why, you... I ought to... So I worried you, Faraday, but... I, I, I just had to wait until I heard you say something nice about me. You never do if you think I'm alive and might hear about it. Yeah, you'll hear about this, Blackie. How'd you get out of that house? Through a window? No, the flames were at the windows before I could get to one. And the only door in the room was locked. Well, how'd you get out? Faraday, have you forgotten? Has a locked door ever stopped me? No, but I sure wish this one had. Faraday, you say the nicest things. I know, Blackie. Did you find Sally Lang's body? And if you did, who killed her? I didn't have a chance to find it, and I don't know who killed her. A big help you are. Oh, don't worry, Faraday. I'll find out. It could be, you know, that Sally's killer just burned his house behind him. Ten of diamonds. Jack Arts. Ah, nuts. (laughs) Well, Billy, it don't look like you'd ever win a dime off me cutting cards. I'll bet you five I win this time, Joe. You got it. Go on, you shuffle. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if they found Blackie's body yet. <laughs> oh, the joint's still probably as hot as a griddle. Go on, you cut first. Sure. King of clubs. You bet five you'll win this time, huh? I'll win. Here's my cut. Ace of hearts. Why, you dirty... Uh, five's mine, Joe. Don't be dizz. I don't pay off on a crooked cut. You shuffled. There was nothing crooked about it. Ah, that phony cut you made stacked the cards. Now, wait a minute. Just because you're Sally's husband, don't think you can call me a cheat. Okay, pal, you started something. Well, Billy. Okay, okay, that's enough. Maybe you'll you'll get away with this, but you're not going to get away with killing my sister. She's lying under the concrete of that burning house of yours now, and I know who put her there and why. You think you know. You're sure I know. That's why you agreed so easy to burn your house down. You want to marry Sue Adams. That's why you killed Sally. I can always tell what I know. Don't forget about that. I think maybe I'd better finish what I started a minute ago and bust that You'd small... better just stand right there like a good boy. I got a gun ready to go boom. Pretty smart, aren't you? Smart enough to know now I won't live long with you loose. All right, come on, Joe. I'm taking you on a one-way trip to headquarters. I wonder how heavy these boards were before they were half burnt. Better get out of the way, Sue. I'm going to toss some of these old planks your way. I'm out of your way. Blackie? What happens to me because I helped Joe bury his wife here? If you can prove that you were forced to help him soon, not much. I've kept you out of Faraday's hands so far, haven't I? Yes. There. Uh, I guess I've cleared a big enough floor space. Are you sure this is where she's buried? Well, I'm positive, Blackie. It was right by that concrete pillar there. That's the exact spot. Well, we'll know in a minute. Hand me that pick. Okay. The heat of the fire broke the concrete a little, and I'll have to finish the job. Here you are. Thanks. This is the place, all right, Sue. The ground below the floor is soft. Blackie, I don't have to look at her, do I? Not now, if you don't want to. 
There. Yeah, got enough of the concrete out of the way. Now I'll just spade the dirt out of here. Yeah, this is the place, all right. The dirt is plenty loose. Blackie. Yeah? You believe I was forced to help bury her here, don't you? We'll talk about that later, Miss Adams. Right now, I've got... What's the matter? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. I've just hit the bottom of this pit, and there's nobody here. What's going on, Miss Adams? Now, back to Boston Blackie. Joe Lang and his girlfriend, Sue Adams, bury the dead body of Joe's wife in the basement of the Lang home. Fearful of her own life, Sue tells Blackie all about it. Blackie goes to the Lang home to find the dead woman's body, but is temporarily sidetracked when Joe and his brother-in-law, Billy Wilson, burn down the house. Later, however, he goes to the spot where the dead woman is buried, but the body is missing. As we return to our story, Blackie is in a telephone booth calling Inspector Faraday's office. Homicide, Faraday speaking. Oh, hello, Faraday, this is Blackie. I've been to the ruins of the Lang house. I know, I know. You found Mrs. Lang's body. Well, I've done better than that. I have her killer right here in my office. You can't prove you have anything, Faraday, because I didn't find a body. What? I found where it had been buried once, but it wasn't there this time. Oh, fine. A big help you are. Well, look, I'll be a little help then. Who's in your office, Joe Lang? Yeah, and Wilson, the dead woman's brother. He brought Lang in. I thought Wilson told you Sue Adams killed Sally Lang. Now he says it was Joe Lang, and he only thought Miss Adams might have done it when he called me first. Mm-hmm. Ah, but without a body... Uh, wait a minute, Farley. Don't say anything, or you might spoil a plan I have. Huh? If Joe Lang killed his wife... I know how I can prove it. We can't prove anything without a I body. said, wait a minute, will you? You'll have to let Lang go, of course. But before you do, tell him that the body is missing, all right. But we know where it is, and we'll recover it before midnight tonight. Oh, I get it. Sure, if Lang killed his wife, he's essentially tried to hide his wife's body again, because without a body, there's no case against him. And I think the body will prove who committed the crime. Let Lang go, then follow Lang and Wilson, too. You think Wilson did it? Well, he's the one accusing everybody else. Look... You follow Lang, and have somebody else follow Wilson. Uh, where are you going to be all this time? I'm going to practice taking bows. Mm, you don't need them. You need brains. Uh, suppose this doesn't work. It'll work. Lang will be flowered. Wilson will be followed. And if either one of them goes for the body, I'll follow through. <laughs> Don't let Lang's car get too far ahead of us, Sergeant. I won't, Inspector Faraday. But it's tough driving with no lights. Yeah. Wonder if Wilson is leading Blackie out into the country, too. I don't know. I doubt it, though. I don't think Wilson did it. What's his motive? He didn't gain anything by her death. But Lang did. What? He got rid of her. Oh, so he could marry that Sue Adams, huh? Oh, maybe just because he was sick of her. She weighed almost 200 pounds, I understand, and was as ugly as... Hey, Lang's car just pulled off the road by these woods up there. Yeah, I noticed. Hey, he's getting out, ducking into the woods. Pull up right behind him quick, and we'll help him find a body. Okay. Well, looks like Blackie was right, huh? Uh, he usually is, but don't tell him I said so. Hey, Lang! Lang! Uh, 
Looking for something, Lang? Don't run for it, butter. I'll have to stop you with a slug. Okay, okay. You think I'm still? I think you're pretty dumb if you didn't know we could follow you out here. Okay, so you followed me out here. What for? You like the country air? You know why we followed you out here. So you'll do exactly what you've done. Lead us to your wife's body. You think it's out here, do you? I know it is. And if you don't lead us to where it's hidden, we'll find it ourselves. Okay. Okay, so I hid her body in the woods here. There it is, Inspector. The body. Good. Why'd you try to hide it, Lang? Why? Because Never I... Never mind, I'll tell you why. Because you know we can't prove a murder without a body. You knew Blackie knew the body was in the basement of your house, so you dug it up and brought it here. Now you wanted to get rid of it again. Well, we've got the body. You know what that means? Means we've also got you. Hello, Faraday. Oh, Blackie, get out of my Look, office. Look, you I'm... promised to phone me. Now be quiet. I brought your lady visitor. Come in, Miss Adams. Thank you. My office, and she thanks him. Why should I phone you, Blackie? So let me know how my plan works. You know how it worked. So go ahead and bow yourself all over the place. You found Mrs. Lang's body? Yeah, Joe Lang led us right to it. He admits he killed her and everything. He's in jail now, Inspector? Yeah, Miss Adams, you're safe now. But you always were. Lang said he had no intention of killing you. One murder was enough. Why did Lang kill her, Faraday? He claims he didn't mean to. They had a fight in the basement. He pushed her and she fell. Her head hit a concrete post. That was that. That must have happened long before I came in. He was just starting to bury her when I got there. Miss Adams, she'd been dead for some time before he buried her. Uh, He admits he left the house right after he killed her and didn't come back for a couple of hours. Oh, that's when he realized she was dead. She hadn't moved, so... Very smart, Blackie. She hadn't moved for two hours. She was dead. So he knew he killed her. Well, if it was an accident, Inspector Faraday, you can't... He just says it was an accident, Miss Adams. But I don't think it was. The coroner reports she got a pretty heavy rap on the head. You know, I've just had a pleasant thought. What? Lang led you to that body rather easily. What if it isn't his wife's body? But it is his wife... Huh? What did you say? Nothing, Inspector. But has anyone besides Lang identified the body? No, but Wilson's at the morgue identifying it now. Then he's coming here. Well, if when he gets here, he says that isn't his sister's body, you'll get nowhere trying to send Lang to jail. Yeah, so you say. Come in. You sent for me, Inspector Faraday? Uh, yeah, Wilson. Have you seen the body? Yes, I have. Get ready for a surprise, Inspector. Quiet, Blackie. Whose body was it, Wilson? It... It was my sister's, all right. Blackie. Get ready for what did you say, Blackie? All right, so I'm wrong. Looks like I'm the guy on the right this time, doesn't it? Well, it's the first time for everything. Go ahead, Blackie. Just try to make me mad. This is the way I like my cases to end. First, I find the body. There's a bump on the back of the head and a gash on the side of the head. Her husband admits pushing her. Then he admits he killed her, buried her, and tried to hide her. Uh, right, Miss Adams? Well, I... I guess so. Right, Blackie? Right, Faraday. <laughs> he not only admits all this, but he dictates a complete confession and signs it. Right, Blackie? Right, Faraday. <laughs> I knew all along he was the one who did it. Uh, Wilson, I should have arrested him when you brought him in here. Yes, sir, Joe Lang murdered his wife and he's going to the chair for it. Right, Blackie? Wrong, Faraday. And then I should... What? Just what I said, wrong. Joe Lang didn't kill his wife. But I know who did. Joe Lang killed his wife. That's who did. No, no. Right here's who did. Billy Wilson. Uh, Blackie, you're out of your mind. And... I know, and get out of your office. I think you're through with me, aren't you, Inspector? Yeah, Wilson, you... Uh, wait a minute, Farney. Wilson, when did you last see your sister? Oh, it was some time ago. 
She'd been out of town. Uh, I wonder, Wilson, if you didn't see her between the time her husband pushed her and the time he came back home. Huh? What do you mean? I mean maybe Lang only thinks he killed your sister. He did push her down, and she fell against the post. But it didn't kill her. She was killed later by that second blow on the side of the head. Uh, you're through with me, aren't you, Inspector? Now, wait a minute. Go on, Blackie. Wilson, you found your sister unconscious, revived her, learned what happened. Then you quarreled about something, and you killed her, knowing Joe would come home, find her dead, and think that he had killed her. Faraday, arrest this guy, and you'll arrest Mrs. Lang's killer. Hey, Wilson, where do you think you're going? You said you were through with me, Inspector. Yeah, but I've changed my mind. Too late, Inspector. Blackie, Blackie grab him before I'll you... grab him. Don't worry. You better worry, Blackie. Oh, boy. This guy wants a battle, huh? Come here. Nice going, Blackie. The bigger they are, the harder they fall, I always say. Yes, Faraday, if it's corny, it's what you always say. Uh, but uh, you know what I say? What? Let's find out why this mystic killed his sister. Yeah, Blackie, I'll tell you why Wilson did it. Uh, never mind telling Blackie. This is my office, Lang. <laughs> Besides, we know why he killed her. He wanted money, and she refused to give it to him. So he hit her with a poker. His confession tells us that. Yes, that was a big mistake. Your wife couldn't have gotten that mark on the side of her head if she'd died when you pushed her. Well, I'm glad you found that out, but I wasn't talking about Sally's killing. You want to know why we burned down the house, don't you, Blackie? Oh, Lang, I think I know. That was for money, too. Yeah, that's right, Blackie. Billy knew I was scared about what happened to Sally. I thought I'd killed her, and when he said I had to burn down my house and give him half the insurance money or else, well, I... I figured he knew I'd kill Sally and would go to the cops if I didn't do what he said. Well, Lang, you didn't play this very smart. If you thought you'd killed your wife by accident, you should have called the police. And don't be silly. Even Sue Adams thought I'd kill Sally when she found me with a body. Everybody knows Sally and I didn't get along. Well, you've got a charge against you for withholding evidence from the police. And you're going to jail for arson. Well, so what? That's better than where Billy's going. He's going to the chair for a murder. Oh, uh, one thing I want to know, Blackie. Uh, yeah? At uh, first you thought maybe I killed her, then you thought uh, Billy killed her. Why didn't you ever think Sue did it? Your wife was a 200-pounder, Lang, and Sue Adams isn't much over 100. After you pushed your wife, somebody had to revive her, kill her, and then drag her body over to where it was when you left. Sue Adams just couldn't have done that. No, of course not. We, uh, we answer your question, all right, Lang? Sure, yeah. Good. Uh, you must be very tired, Faraday, after the work we did. Only, uh, please don't you be as busy as this again, will you? I don't think I could stand it. You know, if I was around during the golden age of radio, I was an actor on these shows... I would have played the bad guy always, you know? I'm pretty sure you wouldn't would have, have been, been an actor. Hey, listen, Boston Blackie, I want to tell you something you right know, now. I Yeah, maybe I am the murderer. Maybe, maybe I'm not the murderer. What do you think? Yeah, I think acting might not be your strong suit. What? Come on. I don't know. The last I, few things didn't work out for you. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> but uh, what do you think of that? I'd be like, hey, Blackie, what are you know? I think I could have done that. I think you have to feel it from inside, you mm, know? Yeah. You no, I live don't, the I don't feel anything. I know. Inside. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty much <laughs> all outside. There's nothing inside. There's nothing in there. No. That's Indeed. Boston Blackie, Dick Kalmar starring August 13th, 
1947. Maurice Tarplin as Inspector Faraday, along with Leslie Woods as his gal pal Mary Wesley. Uh, that was heard on Mutual. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Time for this month in music history. All right, here is a song that I know you will love back in uh, the best of the 1960s. That's the Rolling Stones. That's right. And And that's called Let's Let's Spend spend the Night night Together, (laughs) written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, released um, 1967. Oh, my goodness. Right? I was four. You were three. It was released with Ruby Tuesday as well. Was it? Yeah. I was not. The Rolling Stones. Wow. One of the greatest bands of all time, for sure. All right, thanks, Lisa. More of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's a comedy installment of Ozzy and Harriet from 1953. First, though, we're going to play Is It Real?, Or is it ridiculous? The music edition. Lisa will play short clips from popular songs, give a statement about those songs, and I'll try to guess if it's real or ridiculous. Stick around. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.